Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. People ask me, were you, uh, you know, were you, were, you must have been the class clown. And I say, uh, no, I wasn't. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, October 18, 2022. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 637 of the Biden-Harris administration. 20 days. Holy fucking shit. 20 days until the 22 midterms. You know it's close when I'm saying holy fucking shit right at the beginning of the show. Oh, by the way, you can find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, and our Patreon page, BobSeskaShow.com. Oh, and by the way, you can follow Buzz Burbank at Michael J. Elston on Twitter. And look, he's sitting right over there. there you is. Say Buzz Burbank. Hey, watch it. You said it all. <laughs> Hi. Nancy Pelosi tried to punch me. <laughs> We're fine. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. And don't make us show you our badges. <laughs> uh, we, we have a big surprise uh, coming up on today's show. Yeah. At the end of the show, we're going to subpoena Joe Rogan. Hey, it's about goddamn time. <laughs> All right. More to say uh, on that in a second. I, I heard from, uh, you'll never guess, I heard from Satan over the weekend. Wow. Yeah, he calls occasionally. <laughs> uh, he said, uh, be sure and skip your vaccinations. Uh, demand to speak to the manager and vote Republican. See, always up to something. Always yeah. up to something. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump this week said, and I quote, U.S. Jews have to get their act together. Mm -hmm. But he's offered to help them organize by assigning them numbers. Oh, man. Yee. Yeah. Yee. Uh, also in the news, uh, a shortage of the ADHD drug Adderall. Mm -hmm. Experts say uh, the shortage is, however, expected to end as soon as we extract it from Trump's sinuses. <laughs> Oh, and to repeat this bit of news for those who missed it, you can now buy hearing aids over the counter. <laughs> what? And and is it just me, or is anybody here as suspicious as I am about the untimely passing of Angela Lansbury? All right, kicking off the week with Rocky Mountain Mike. Here we go. I was twerking on the links at Bedminster Course when I realized there was a missing corpse. When those nuclear secrets did cross my way, they tumbled from the coffin on the first fairway. They're in the casket. They're in Ivana's casket. Ivana's casket. I almost blew me a gasket. Ivana's casket. 
A scandal worse than Denny Hostin. <laughs> they were in a Vaughn's casket. <laughs> there, there, Don Jr. <laughs> Try to calm down. <laughs> Give me the nine iron. <laughs> I'm playing through. Time to, uh, time to dig up Ivana. Yeah, I love the Denny Hastert joke. Oh, no I kidding. mean, that, what else do you rhyme with casket? Yeah, right. That whole thing was so brilliant and so timely. It's yeah. only 13 days till Halloween and we dig up Ivana, so I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. That was Rocky Mountain Mike, and yep. uh, I heard Mary in Ann Arbor in there, too. Rocky MNT yep. and Mike on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. Good job, kids. I, you know, I, I always desperately try to avoid the real song, uh, the Monster Mash song, yes, every time there's... Yes. Because being in radio <laughs> we used to have to play that thing once a goddamn hour every october it was like the grandma got run over by a reindeer thing at christmas time it's just like my god they whip the enthusiasm right out of you so now i i desperately avoid them I, you know i always the consider real thing it, but this was brilliant yeah okay um buzz and i were uh whining prior to the show eh, i like to think of it as chatting yeah chatting chatting <laughs> In a whiny tone about, uh, you know, I got to say, the initial uh, spark of the conversation was pessimism over the outcome of the midterms. Well, or at least great worry. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I guess pessimism is a fair uh, thing to say, but there are two sides to that coin, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were feeling uh, maybe not concerned. Uh, yeah, concerned. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. I, I'm trying to play down my panic here, Bob. <laughs> Help me out. Uh, yeah, and and you know what? Every time I look at the polls, I get concerned too. But then after I start to forget about looking at the polls, mm -hmm. then the optimism starts creeping back into my head. Right. I, I want to say that the polls right now aren't an accurate reflection of what will happen in the midterms because I think there are a number of factors that may be left out of the polling and also intangibles what, really i intangibles mean intangibles is a good way to put the, it the polls count the things you can count and i i know a lot of our listeners hate 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 the polls and do everything they can do to ignore them it's kind of our job to watch them because they yeah. are in indicators mm -hmm. but they can only measure what they can measure there are x factors they can't measure and i think the conclusion that bob and i reached before we turned on the microphones today is that uh there are other factors besides just the numbers the numbers are the best they can be with what we have to work with with the limited resources we have yeah. but there are emotional factors at play here there are people who aren't speaking out loud there are people who are uh, motivated by uh, attempts to, to crush abortion uh, there are people who are motivated by the continued promotion of firearms mm -hmm. uh, there are motivations out there that I think are harder to measure and to factor in yeah. to the polls and, and, and then you can get into the whole business of landlines and who has them and who doesn't and, and, and weather polls polls use them or not, and do they factor that in in their calculations? Hey, here's here's what we see. The polls have gone from, we were one point up last month. We mm -hmm. were, we had a, we had a mighty one point lead, which is within the margin of error. Yeah. This, this month, Republicans have a three to four percent lead, mm -hmm. which is also within the margin of error. So the conclusion I've personally come to is, we could win this. Yeah. We, we could lose this. Yeah. It all depends on turnout. 
God, we have got to get everyone to the polls, not just ourselves, because obviously everybody in this little club, everybody listening to this show and involved with this show is going to be voting and voting correctly. Yeah. But can you say that about people you know that you could influence, that you could give rides to the polls? Because every single vote is going to count, and you already know, as we've documented week after week, what's on the line here. We just don't know. And I think at this point, it's so close that it could swing either way. And I think it's the insecurity yeah. of not knowing that is causing whatever bits of pessimism are eking into my brain. And I think that's the source of it. Plus, the thing that uh, I've been observing, and I think we've all been observing over the past, I don't know how many elections, is that the polling has become less and less accurate over time. Now, obviously, that makes the polling aggregators a little bit more important in terms of taking all the polls, shoving them through an algorithm, coming up with some sort of average and deciding on forecasts from that. And I guess that's a little more accurate. But I think what we're seeing here is a shift in terms of how people vote and how much energy people bring, voters bring to a particular election. And this is, I think, another one of those cases where already we're seeing on the first day of early voting in Georgia, for example, massive turnout, like record-breaking turnout for a midterm. Whereas in 2018, on Monday, more voters cast ballots on the first day of early in-person voting than in any previous midterm election. In 2018, that number was uh, just about 71,000. Yesterday, Monday, it was 123,834 voters casting early in-person ballots. That's a right. big deal, and especially and that, for an election like Georgia's, which is maybe the uh, the balance in the Senate is going to be determined there. And that doesn't even count the mail-in votes. Uh, I've, yeah. I've mailed mine in. Uh, we've mailed our, our ballots in uh, all the yeah. way down the ballot, uh, carefully researched on every judge, every Supreme Court justice, every state representative, every every senator and the governor. We've we've uh, done all of that, and it's, it's in. The votes are in, and oftentimes those votes, in fact, almost always, those votes don't get counted until after the in-person votes are counted. Right. So uh, even... Possibly even as late as the morning after Election Day, the, the results may still not be in. So mm -hmm. uh, reserve your depression, reserve your <laughs> plan to curl up into a fetal position until after we know the, the final results. And if the final results are bad, I will be joining you in that fetal position. We, that's what we have to keep telling ourselves. We could win this. We could lose this. That's how close this is. It really could go either way. It is up to us. And, yeah. and it's been that way all along. I think if we've come to realize anything in recent times, it is sadly, and God, it kills me to say this, we can't depend on the press. We can't mm -hmm. necessarily depend on the courts. We can't necessarily depend on legislators and legislatures. Mm -hmm. we, we can't depend on, on uh, so many people, the, the, the media, the, 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 the officials in the government, the courts. We can only depend on ourselves. It's, it's yeah. on us to do this. So we've got to get up off our asses, as I was saying six months ago, and do mm -hmm. the work yeah. and, and make sure that not only we get to the polls, but that other people get to the polls as well. A little thing called democracy depends on it. And for me, it's all about the folks. It's all about the people who don't follow politics. Those are the people I worry about because they're not getting the full message. They're not fully embracing 
the stakes of this thing, and and that's what's scary to me. I mean, generally speaking, I'm still feeling quite optimistic about November 8th, but when I start thinking about that disconnect between certain voters and the mm-hmm. stakes of this election and well, subsequent elections. I mean, we're t- not talking about one election here. We're talking about numerous elections into the future as far as pushing back, marginalizing, and, and bottling this cult of madmen and weirdos called the Republican and, Party. And, and Bob, even those who see the threat to democracy are not necessarily moved by it, at least yeah. according to the headline that uh, that I awoke yep. to this morning that and depressed that, me And that you so sent severely. to me to depress me, too. Yes, I wanted you to be, I wanted your day to start as crappy as mine did. Here, here's a because, pile of shit, Bob. Happy Tuesday. I, yeah. yeah, I wanted you to see this headline <laughs> the, uh, emblazoned on the New York Times this morning. This is one of their big stories in their early morning email of their stories today in today's paper. It says in large print, voters see democracy in peril. Yeah. <laughs> but saving it isn't a priority. Oh, what God. the article what the article <laughs> goes on to say is that uh people realize, yeah, 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 democracy's a, a, a threat, but this inflation, man. And so we've got to punish the people in power for the inflation. Since they're not fixing the inflation, we'll elect the other guys. Even though the other guys have no plan to fix inflation, even though there's nothing you can point to, in my opinion, that that puts the blame for uh, inflation on the Democrats. In fact, I think that's borne out by the fact that it's a worldwide problem. Mm -hmm. Democrats did not cause inflation around the globe. Uh, So to, to say that they caused it here when it's happening everywhere, is ridiculous, and yet uh, tell that to the people who are paying a little bit more for gasoline than they did last year, and in some cases considerably more for groceries. And again, I, like a lot of other people, think those are companies cashing on on the talk of inflation yep. to raise prices where they don't need to be raised. Absolutely. I think there's uh, an attitude among the gatekeepers who control the economy. They understand what this is all about. They understand that they can manipulate politics by raising and lowering prices. I mean, they understand now more than ever how easy it is to pull those levers and change people's attitudes. And I'm talking about the low information voters, the people who vote every single time, right. but who don't don't follow politics well, the way many of us do. And, and those even beyond, are the ones, those are the, those are the swing voters. Those are the people that I think a lot of these corporations want to manipulate. You know what I mean? And even, and even beyond the low information voters, uh, if you're the CEO of a company, you see a chance for long-term and short-term gains here. Yeah. The short-term gain is you can rake in a lot of money now by blaming inflation for you raising prices needlessly. Mm-hmm. That's the short-term gain. The long-term gain is you, is it pisses people off so they elect the other party which in this case is Republicans and and business knows that Republicans will always rule and legislate favorably uh, for their profit, for their bottom line. Yeah. So they're seeing long-term and short-term financial gains by raising prices to piss you off at the Democrats so you'll vote against the Democrats and put Republicans in power. Uh, democracy be damned. Yeah, and they still think Republicans are the same Republicans that were in control in the in the White House in 1956, for God's yeah. sake. It's yeah. not that Republican Party anymore. We're talking no. about white supremacy here. We're talking about misogyny. We're talking about totalitarianism here. This is not, we're not fucking around. When we say that the Republican Party is a cult that wants to 
attain power and then barricade the door behind them so they can never leave power. That's what we're talking about here. And your short-term mission to punish the Democrats because of gas prices and groceries is fucking stupid. Wise up before it's too late. And too late would be November 9. So mm-hmm. you have some time here to figure it yeah. out. You have some time. And I'm not talking to anyone last actually listening to the show. And and I've, I've come to the conclusion that we're not going to change any minds here. Yeah. We, we, we can talk all day long about, uh, you know, what's, what's right and what the facts are. But at this point, at this juncture, we're not going to change any minds here. Mm-hmm. All we can do is get people to vote. Yeah. That's the only way way out of this mess. For Democrats. Yes. Get people to well, vote for Democrats. But, I want to make sure yeah, that, that but, second but part you know is what? there. Uh, you know what? Yeah. No, I think, I think I can, I feel comfortable saying everybody vote because if everybody voted and you know this is true, yeah. Democrats would win. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. That's the problem. That's why Republicans don't mm-hmm. want people to vote because right. they know the more people who vote, the lower their chances are of actually winning elections. It's the Paul Weirich thing about goo-goo good government. Look for that clip on uh, YouTube if you haven't seen it yet. Paul Weirich. I don't know, it was 1980 or something like that, talking about how we don't want people to vote. The more people vote, the less our chances are of winning as the Republican Party. Blah, 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 blah. This Republican Party is not a party of 1956. It's a party of 1939. (laughs) Exactly. And so the other thing is, People are starting to fall for Herschel Walker's little scam here. And let me describe what the scam is. The the fucking badge. <laughs> the fucking badge. Right. You know, look, on the surface, we're all like, ha, 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 fake badge, fake, stupid right. fake badge. Stupid Herschel Walker's got a stupid fake badge. But guess what it's doing? It's getting everybody to talk about the fake badge. It's giving the Republicans Mm -hmm. an excuse to talk about law and order and crime and law enforcement. Which is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the party that opposes gun control and mental health and the other uh, things that the Democrats have voted for that could actually reduce crime. Democrats have legislated for a reduction in crime. Republicans have legislated against it, and yet they're throwing this uh, law and order thing at us. Yeah. Yeah, you're right about about the badge being a distraction from the real issues. But he, here's what I think about a, a case like Herschel Walker. Uh, first of all, uh, just a back reference here, he ain't right. But uh, <laughs> the, the, the reality of, of the situation, in, in my view, is that uh, Herschel Walker uh, represents... Uh, the voters, the people who are voting for Herschel Walker know that he's going to toe the Republican line, and that's all they care about. They don't care if the badge is fake or real. They care about that Senate seat. That's the only thing they care about, and they will they would elect a rock to uh, – I don't mean Dwayne Johnson uh, – they would elect a head of cauliflower, uh, which is essentially what we have in Herschel Walker. Yeah. They would elect that if they thought it would support the Republican agenda, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And I think we've got a pretty good idea. Well, the, I think the whole reason behind brandishing that badge, that prop on stage during the debate with uh, Raphael which, Warnock. Which wasn't allowed. Yeah, yeah which was entirely to change the narrative away from the abortions that Herschel Walker has paid for. So and as far as I'm concerned, yeah. yeah, the only, yeah, that one too. The only response from, and certainly we all had fun with it. I did, we all did the next day, that night right. and the next day. But from this point forward, 
any time a Republican or Herschel Walker himself or a member of the press brings up about the badge and, oh, my God, here comes Herschel Walker. And now he's handing out badges to people and everyone's got a badge. The only response to that is, oh, yeah, how many abortions did you pay for again, Herschel Walker? Bring the narrative back to what you want to be. Don't always play on their terms. Don't let them right. seize the initiative and hang on to it. Yeah. Seize the initiative yourself. There are lots of things to latch on to when it comes to criticizing and undermining the Herschel Walker campaign. Use those things. Don't play on their terms. They want everyone talking about the badges so they can talk about law enforcement and crime. Badges. Well, yeah. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> yes, exactly. Scare the shit out of the suburban yeah. white women when That's it comes to crime. And that's the gambit with the badge that he held up the other day. It wasn't to prove something from his past. If that was the point, he would have held up the badge two months ago when the issue first came up. He did this to change the narrative away from paying for abortions, away from his Christian dogmatic right wing ridiculousness when it comes to that issue. And so... We can't fall for it. We can't allow them to change the narrative like that. And that's right. the key to, I, I think, many, many races across the board. Don't take the bait. I've, I've tried doing that on my social media accounts. Uh, whenever some bullshit line about law and order, for example, I point out what the Republicans have and have not done in that area. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to take control of that of that narrative, of that conversation, uh, to, to, to disprove it, uh, to, yeah. to prove that it's it's a lie. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's the approach. I don't know. It's just the one I use anyway. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's another thing coming out of Georgia right now that I think – is another opportunity to change the narrative, to push back, to seize the initiative, to seize the tennis ball machine, as we like to say uh, in the early days of the Trump administration. Brian Kemp has admitted that he's going to take aim at IVF treatment next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After banning abortion statewide in Georgia, the idea then is to ban IVF treatment to protect the embryos. Right. Right. Uh, in a one minute audio clip provided to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, a man who claimed to be a Kemp supporter asked the governor whether he would support, quote, a statewide ban on the destruction of embryos. Another person, possibly a Kemp staffer, said, quote, this is just now starting to become a conversation and that the legislature might consider it as a part of a bill in the future. Then the supporter asked Kemp if he likes the idea of protecting IVF embryos, to which he responds emphatically, yeah. And so this is something I've been predicting since the early word of the Dobbs decision had dropped. What are these people going to do about IVF, where destroying fertilized embryos is just part of the process? So technically speaking, those destroyed embryos are equivalent to abortion. It's not the same thing, obviously, but it's the same end game, so to speak. By the by the time we hear this show uh, this evening, uh, yeah. this Tuesday, uh, President Biden will have promised to uh, submit as his first bill to Congress uh, if a if Democrats keep the House and take control of the Senate, true control. And I'm so sick of people saying, well, the Democrats control both houses of Congress. No, we really no, don't. Damn shit. it, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We control the House. That's it. The, the Senate is a... Is, a tie on a good day, uh, and we don't we haven't had too many of those over there. We've had a few, mm. but but not too many. Uh, President Biden has promised to make the first bill he submits to co to a new Democratic 
total Congress is to codify Roe v. Wade, to codify abortion rights in this country. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me ask you, Bob, do you think that promise does any good at this point? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know, because I feel like the momentum coming out of the Dobbs decision, as far as the midterms go, has kind of dwindled. The generic ballot has started to separate again. Where Attention it has faded, yeah. Yeah, where at least according to Nate Silver's numbers, the convergence was happening. And let's see, it was the chances of controlling the House were getting closer and closer to the point of about 68% for Republicans, 32% for Democrats. As of October 2nd, it started to widen again to the point where we're now at 72% for Republicans and only 28% for Democrats. And the average seats controlled by the party has also separated a little bit as well. The, the convergence has slowed. And so uh, that, to me, indicates a lack of momentum. And that indicates that people aren't prioritizing the abortion issue the way they were coming out of the Dobbs know, decision. It's I know, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's frustrating and terrifying. So I don't, know uh, if, it, I don't know if this changes the needle at all as far as that issue goes because it's so unpredictable right now. It's really hard to take any one piece of information and extrapolate that out into some sort of accurate forecast for what happens on November 8th. Right now, I, it's just it's a coin toss as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was some way to uh, pretend that the Supreme Court decision on abortion to overturn Roe v. Wade, uh, that that came down yesterday and not how long has it been? A few months ago now. Yeah. And did the Supreme Court take that into account, knowing that the public's attention and fervor would fade by Election Day if they made the ruling when they did? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing that I've been following closely is that even with a series of successes, I mean, gigantic wins throughout August and into September. Even that, the proximity to November 8th, still wasn't close enough. And I thought for sure, okay, well, this timing is pretty damn good, but it doesn't seem to be holding. And that, that it, always, it always plays to my ongoing, I don't know what you would even call this, my ongoing paranoia about how elections work in America, where it seems like, Without any action, things default back to favoring Republicans. And so it's almost like the Democrats are constantly pumping a tire that has a hole in it. And you got to keep pumping. And when you stop pumping, then things start to revert back to the Republicans. And I, I don't know if that's an accurate read on how voting operates, how, how voting preferences operate in this country, right. but that's what it feels like. And maybe that's just my partisanship playing here, <laughs> but I feel like once that momentum, once the Democratic energy starts to dwindle, things start to slowly slide back into the favor of the Republicans. And I see that not just in this election, but in many elections. And again, I, I preface all of this by saying, and I want to make sure we underscore this, okay. going back to what we were talking about at the very top of the show, about polling. I'm just looking at the polls, and it's entirely possible that what we're looking at is completely divorced from what will actually happen. And so it's, I think there's a big chunk of optimism that could be had in that analysis. It, it's certainly too close to call. It is within the margin of error. That much mm -hmm. we know. And I think what you were speaking of earlier, Bob, is the Republican deep state, I believe, uh, <laughs> is, is what helps right. ensure those Republican wins. And, you yeah, know, I yeah. mean, 
uh, just casually, I think there may be something to that, you know, mm-hmm. especially as we look at the FBI and, and uh, some of the other stuff that's going on uh, lately. Uh, it, 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 you know, it's it. I'm encouraged by what the Justice Department is doing, but part of the Justice Department is the FBI, which we now know we suspected it. We knew it in our hearts, but now we know factually that a substantial number of FBI agents, a substantial number of of uh, Secret Service agents supported the January 6th insurrection. Yeah. This is frightening, and I don't see how we purge it unless we get a clear Democratic majority in both the House and the Senate. And as I said at the top, it we could get it. We could lose it. Uh, it's that close. We've got to... Uh, Get other people out to vote. Again, assuming everyone here has voted or is voting, uh, it's now up to us to get uh, other Democrats and independents and even some skeptical Republicans, some sane Republicans, to to cast the right ballots. Uh, and again, all the way down the ballot. Well, here's some good news to wrap up this segment. Yeah, I want to make sure that. that I that I default back to, I think, some optimism here. Because I think there is, there's plenty of room for optimism. And here's an example. I don't think this is going to make everybody turgid listen to, <laughs> listening to the show right now. Uh, but I think this is going to put a smile on your face. According to Nate Silver, his Uh average of the generic ballot Uh still shows the Democrats leading. I mean, it's not a big lead. It's only (laughs) 0.5%. It's only half a percentage point. But the Democrats are still leading on that front as of right now, as of today. And And they have been leading since July 27. You know what? I'll take that back. I'll, I'll say August 9. That's when the Democrats pulled ahead and have uh, at one point widened the gap by as many as uh, 1.4 percentage points. But that's right. still something. It's wafer thin, but it, and, you know, it's something. It's important. And as we also said at the top, I, there may be an undercounted or uncounted lead that we're not seeing there. Yeah. But again, no matter what poll you look at, no matter you know who you listen to, uh, mm-hmm. it's too close to call. And that means... We have a chance. Yes. We're telling you, you have a chance. God, I keep going back to uh, something I tweeted yesterday, which is uh, just something that's been going uh, circulating around in my head, which is make politics boring again. <laughs> I want oh, boring politics. Only. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We've got so much more to talk about here. We want to recap, I think, a little from the January 6th committee hearings from Indeed. Thursday, since mm-hmm. I was only able to talk about it on the after party and uh, certainly not for our broader free show audience. So we'll right. talk about that a little bit. And then something else that I've uh, brought over from the after party on Friday and want to mm-hmm. discuss again here on this show is uh, what I've titled here, Joe Rogan, Tulsi Gabbard, and the Litter Box Hoax. (laughs) Oh, good. Yes. This is something that I think um, is important to get out there because it is a hoax. It is a myth that is circulating right-wing circles. It's circulating red hat circles. And I think it needs to be thoroughly debunked because sometimes people aren't aware on the left that these things are entirely fabricated. So it's important to get that out there. And the fact that Joe Rogan and Tulsi Gabbard secondarily are on board with this hoax 
makes it especially dangerous. So we're going to de- debunk the hoax and we're listen I, to the audio too. I, I can't wait to talk about that. And I can add a little factoid, a little fun fact to know and tell oh, good. Uh, to that that you probably don't know, but it's an interesting twist on this story. And we'll do, be doing that as well. Plus, uh, we'll talk about how uh, the Trump White House forced the CDC to toe the line with Trump oh during the pandemic. Just like uh, you said. A, a little bit of good news on the Alex Jones front, on top of the massive amount of damages <laughs> that he faces. One billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, even more. It could end up being two billion dollars before <laughs> all is said and done. So we'll talk about Excellent. that, too, in just a second. But first... Uh, welcome to our brand new Patreon subscribers on our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Uh, hi to Julie. Hi to Mark Grossman. Hi to Michael Ziskin. Hi to Danielle Osby. Hi to Julie Bonitz. And hi to Joe Kelly. Thank you so much for signing up. I hope Thank you. we make it worth your while to be a, a member of our Patreon page. And it's the best place uh, to support the show, and it's also the best place to get in touch with me if you have something to say to me. Indeed. Plus, if you're only listening to this show, if you're only listening to the Tuesday show or the Wednesday show or the Thursday show, uh, you're only getting you're only getting the first hour. There's an extra 20 minutes of show after the music finishes, after the end credits roll at every uh, at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show, and it's all happening on our Patreon page. Of course, I'm talking about the Shadow Docket podcast at patreon.com slash show or easy to remember, bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, all the stuff we didn't get to during the free show, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shadow Dockets drop every Tuesday and Thursday after the free show's $5 per month. That's it. Plus, you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. You get access to the comments. You get access to the app. All kinds of great stuff. So don't miss out. That's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it. Send it to all your friends. And we thank you. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska!
99% certain I'm allowed to play this. I'll tell you what. By the way, this is Paul Madden Band, the Paul Madden Band, featuring the great Dave Barrett from Elijah Bone. And I am pretty certain this is a demo that Dave sent over to me. Of course, uh, Dave's uh, on vocals here. And harmonica by the same guy who played harmonica on all of Culture Club's records. Wow. So, yeah, big deal here. And a great song, but I think it's a demo, which is why I'm questioning whether I'm able to play it. Well, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. But, yes, uh, yes. I smell, I smell rock and roll here. I always assume when Dave sends me something new, Dave Barrett from Elijah Bone, whenever he sends me a new Elijah Bone track, or in this case, the Paul Madden Band, I assume it's because I can play it. Like, oh, yes. here, play don't, this on the show, Bob. And like, okay, sure. Yeah, don't, don't, I love it. don't set us up for a lawsuit. Speaking of which, <laughs> I, I've decided what you and I, maybe you and I can go in together and get this for Rocky Mountain Mike for Christmas. I'd like to buy him the Don Henley Song Library. You think we could do that? And then and that would just be the end of that, you know? Yeah. He could do whatever he wanted. He could have a lot of fun with that. I think hours and hours of fun. Yeah, and then uh, for his birthday, he'll get a lawsuit from Don Henley. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. See, not if he owns the library. We're going to oh, buy him the library so he can never again be harassed by oh, Don Henley. I see what you're talking about. And you're use, talking and about like a billion-dollar purchase is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. We can scrape that together, can't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sounds good. Let me yeah. check under the couch yeah. cushions over there. No, yeah. no, I don't think so. Uh, okay, so uh, lots more to get to here on our big Tuesday show, uh, including the January 6th committee hearings from Thursday. Uh, f- first of all, the big news to come out of the hearings, I think the, there are lots of big news to come out of the hearings, but mm-hmm. I think the biggest news to come out of the hearings is the fact that they have subpoenaed Donald Trump. And his response to the subpoena to testify is basically a yes and a no. He's doing yeah. one of those things. I've described this a uh, couple of uh, times like this, uh, using this metaphor. You ever get a job offer, Buzz, that you just don't want to take, but you don't want to say no because you want to maintain the relationship? And so what you do instead is you quote a much larger number than the client can afford. <laughs> so you're basically um, saying yes and you're saying no at the same time. Like, okay, yes, I'll, you know, like when I was doing cartoons. Oh, yes, I'll uh-huh. do that cartoon for you. It's going to cost $5 million. Yeah. And then they say, oh, uh, no, I can't do it. I'm I, sorry, I, can't do it. it no, I, I didn't do that so much, but if I knew that, like for voiceover work, if I knew yeah. the, the client was going to be troublesome and try to direct every single word, mm-hmm. uh, I would jack the price way up. It's what I call the a-hole tax. <laughs> and uh, you know, they, they had to pay that. But no, I've never actually turned down a job because I you know didn't want to work for those people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Donald Trump has used the same gambit. And by the way, the a-hole tax is going to be the name of today's show. I'm just Um, But what Donald Trump has done here is he said, okay, sure, I'll testify, Uh but it has to be on live television. Uh Well, no one's going to want to have Donald Trump on live television without knowing what he's going to say first, because it's just going to be a filibuster. He's going to hold court. He's just going to start blurting all of his ridiculous, unproven conspiracy theories about the election, all the myths and hoaxes that he likes to play with all the time. Well, the same old bullshit that we see on Truth Central. Truth Central. Truth Central. Yeah. 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 Well, we already know what he would say. Uh, And uh, since I think they control the microphone, 
phones. Uh, I, I don't know. I think some interesting questions could be posed uh, and maybe trip him up a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I don't I don't know how good he is on his feet in, in those situations in a barrage of of intense uh, questioning. Uh, I don't know. It, it would be interesting. I don't think it's going to happen, unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be. I don't. I, on one hand, I don't want to give him a platform, but on the other hand, doesn't he already have one, really? Yeah. Isn't he every yeah. bit as much in the news today as he has been all along? Uh, you know, so I, I don't know about that. I, I, you know, and I know he loves the microphone. I know he would love the attention on the stage. It, it might be an opportunity to string him up. I, I don't know. I know that he knows that it's not the MO of the committee to just have someone on blind testifying right. on television. Right. They right. like to depose them first behind closed doors and then maybe bring them in to corroborate what they said behind closed doors, which is essentially what we have seen throughout the course of these Gen 6 hearings. So Donald Trump saying that I'm going to come in and be on live television and you're not going to know what I'm going to say is a non-starter for the committee. So essentially he's Probably. giving them he's giving them something that they'll never accept. And that's yeah. the gambit here. Plus, then he can go to his people and say, he can go to the Red Hat Entertainment Complex and say, oh, look, I agreed to go in and testify. And they're the ones saying no. Well, that's his scam and all of this. On, on one hand, I think the committee knew even before they drew up that subpoena that yeah. he would uh, ignore it, that, mm -hmm. and that they wouldn't be able to enforce it, and that if they tried, they would be tied up in the courts for, what, years, months, oh, yeah. to be yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, so, But on the other hand, they felt they had to do it, and I think they're right about that. I think they, they felt that it would they would be shirking their duty if they didn't at least ask, yeah. you know, and, and uh, they have more work ahead of them. They've obtained more testimony. They still haven't uh, come out with what their findings on Ginny Thomas and, mm -hmm. and Newt Gingrich, which we're still expecting. Uh, so maybe the last hearing, maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but, but the investigative committee's work is not done. And it won't be done unless and until America elects a Republican Congress. And then, as you've said before, uh, that investigation of January 6th not only dies instantly, but is instantly followed by investigations of the people who investigated January 6th. Exactly. That's going to be the entire House of Representatives of the Republicans take over. That's what's and, at stake. And, and yeah, that's what's yeah. at stake in this election that we're talking about that is so close. Mm -hmm. That's why the stakes are too high to lose this. We cannot afford to lose this. We might, we might not, but I, this much I know, we can't afford to do it. Ultimately, comeuppance for Donald Trump, accountability for Donald Trump comes down to us. It comes down to voters. You know, Merrick Garland and the Jan 6 committee and even some of the state investigations only will survive if we allow them to survive, right. <laughs> you know, if voters don't do what they need to do in this election and in subsequent elections, all of those investigations die or Donald Trump gets pardoned or both. And that's the, the real danger in all of this. So um, the other thing that freaked me out by the hearings on Thursday was this bit of news that we heard. And, you know, I've been talking for quite some time now about how Donald Trump purged the federal bureaucracy of disloyalists, or right. maybe not all of them, but got to quite a few of them, asking them if they're Trump or Hillary, and if they're Trump, right. they get to keep their job. If they're Hillary, they're fired and replaced by a loyalist. I mean, that was just the way he operated, because Donald right. Trump believed he owned 
the country. He owned the United States. And so therefore, much like a CEO runs a business, he felt as though all of these things were on the table for him to meddle with. And so he did. And so we find out now through the Jan 6 investigation that there are many, many FBI staffers who mm -hmm. are loyal to Donald Trump inside Secret Service, yeah. the Bureau. It's terrifying. A week after the Jan 6 attack, an email landed in a top FBI official's inbox expressing concern that some Bureau employees might not be particularly motivated to help bring to justice the rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol. Mm -hmm. Quote, there's no good way to say it, so I'll just be direct. From my firsthand and secondhand information from conversations since Jan 6, there is, at best, a sizable percentage of the employee population that felt sympathetic to the group that stormed sure. the Capitol. And that it was no different from the Black Lives Matter protests of the summer of 2020. The person wrote in an email to Paul Abate, who is now the number two official at the FBI. Quote, several also lamented that the only reason this violent activity is getting more attention is because of huh, political correctness. It's woke. You know what? It's the woke yeah. thing that's yeah. giving dead, us more attention than it, than it dead deserves. People, dead people, blood, and broken w windows. That's just political discourse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a terrifying thing because we're yeah. not just talking about people who are loyal to the Republican Party because they like It's like going back to what we were saying earlier. It's not just the Republican Party about low taxes and small government. We're talking about a cult of insane people who uh, now increasingly are attacking Jews. They've been uh, beating up on trans people forever. Uh, they're certainly, they've stripped half of the American population of their bodily autonomy. They're destined to seize power and never leave office once they attain it. These are all just the top headlines going on in the Republican yeah. Party. It's not the same as it used to be. And so now knowing that that cult has infiltrated and has dug in, entrenched inside the federal government is terrifying. Let me remind people that uh, the vast majority, vast majority of yeah. Republican candidates on the ballot uh, three weeks from now are election deniers. Mm -hmm. And that is why this could be our last free and fair election as close as it, as it may get. Yeah. And it's not just the FBI, Bob. The Secret Service was told 10 days in advance and repeatedly after that of plans to attack the Capitol building. And that was something else that came out of the J6 oh, hearing Jesus. that was televised last week. Can I, if I may, just to share with you and feel free to jump in. Sure. But I want to share with you some of my other notes on on that last hearing. Yeah, yeah. They, they established that the attempt to stop the transfer of power was premeditated, planned before the election results were even known. Mm -hmm. uh, months, in fact, ahead of time. The committee also established that Roger Stone was the conduit between the White House and the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers. Uh, the committee determined Trump was directly involved in the plot to use fake electors and that Trump knowingly broke the law in pressuring Pence to reject Biden electors. Uh, they reported that Trump knew he had incited an armed mob to attack the Capitol. Uh, they were, they, they, the committee, uh, and then voted, of course, to subpoena Trump. Uh, we also learned from that hearing. And finally, uh, Trump wanted to lead the armed mob to the Capitol, according to testimony uh, yeah. that we heard uh, in that J6 committee hearing uh, this past Thursday. That's right. And then the other thing that stuck out to me was just how impressive and I mean, not surprisingly so, but just how impressive Nancy Pelosi was in that Alexander yes, Pelosi yes. documentary footage during the act actual insurrection. And I say that 
uh, obviously with the setup that Nancy Pelosi has been an immensely effective Speaker of the House, where we mm-hmm. have a gigantic tent Democratic Party. Right. Everyone from moderate conservatives all the way down to the squad uh, ideologically, and then even some who are even more left-wing than that. And Nancy Pelosi has in God must be 99% of the votes kept that entire coalition intact, unified as one voting block voting to pass all of the various things that we have wanted, all of the wish list items, uh, whether it's police reform or whether it's climate crisis things or on down the line, build back better when it was called that. Uh, These are immense successes for a Speaker of the House who has a lot of plates spinning at the same time. Indeed. At the same time. Yeah, incredible. And while this crisis is happening inside the Capitol building, where she and Chuck Schumer and Democratic leadership and even some of the Republican leadership could have been assassinated by Mm -hmm. these insurrectionists. That was apparently the plan. Yeah. What she did was so clever. While cameras are rolling, she made sure to emphasize in all of the phone calls she was having with various officials up and down the law enforcement wing of the executive branch, mainly Jeffrey Rosen, uh, who was uh, the the attorney general at the time, and, and on down the line. She kept repeating the phrase, at the direction of the president. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so smart because not only was she handling a crisis, but she realized that she's on the record. There are cameras rolling. Well, yeah, our daughter Alexandria or yeah. Alexandra uh, was, yeah. was 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 photographing was was videoing the entire thing. Yes, yes, for yeah, her so documentary. She Absolutely yeah, aware. absolutely. And so, what she wanted to do was make sure, for not only the purposes of underscoring who was behind all of this, but for the purposes of history, for the purposes of posterity. She wanted to make sure that the Speaker of the House was on record saying that the chaos that is happening upstairs or where it was in the House chamber is entirely at the direction of Donald Trump. And so that is what gets recorded. That gets emblazoned into our American history. That's going to be part of the history books. Naturally, uh, I have no patience for Republicans who bash Nancy Pelosi, as they do, and I tend to tune that out. But I am an equal lack of patience for Democrats who slam Nancy Pelosi, and uh, especially in the most progressive wing of this party. Uh, There's a lot of that. And I have to chalk it up to ignorance because if they knew what she really did, how she really worked, uh, they wouldn't say the things that they said. They're they're saying it out of ignorance. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you right now, if you're a progressive and you hate Nancy Pelosi, you are ignorant of the facts. I'm sorry, but it's true. Yes. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, was more about the post-hearing discussion that happened on MSNBC. And and another salute to Joy Reid, who, in discussing the overarching election fraud plot, it wasn't just about what happened after the election, between the election, then Jan 6, and then the inauguration. It wasn't just the transition when Donald Trump was engaged in this election fraud. Mm. It goes back far earlier than that. It goes July, back to yeah. it goes back to Burisma. It goes back to the Zelensky mm. impeachable offense that Donald Trump mm. co- uh, committed by uh, extorting Ukraine to launch right. an investigation of Burisma and therefore Hunter Biden and therefore Joe Biden. That was part of it. The USPS thing. Joy Reid yes. made sure to mention this. 
the scam to slow down the fucking mail during right. one of the most immense presidential elections in American history. It's real. Was part of that plot. Louis DeJoy was part of Donald Trump's election fraud plot to slow down the fucking mail. To, I mean, we saw video images of sorting machines being hauled out of USPS locations across the country. We saw mailboxes, blue USPS mailboxes, removed from locations en masse. There was a concerted effort by the administration to make sure that that election swung in Donald Trump's favor by any means possible, legal, illegal, and otherwise. And thank you to Joy Reid for making sure to emphasize that it's not just Amen. about Jan 6. It's not just about the big lie and calling Brian Kemp to look for 11,000 votes and all of these lawsuits and the whole thing in Arizona. It's not just that. <laughs> this was an ongoing scam. When Donald Trump started to believe and this is actually more Nicole Wallace talking in, in the wake of the hearings, but she was saying when Donald Trump decided that, oh shit, there's a real chance that I'm going to lose this election. That's when he started this scam. And that's when it was his insurance policy. Mm -hmm. So thank you. This is the kind of shit that needs to be recorded as history and reemphasized over and over again. Some of you think maybe I repeat myself too much. You know, I don't think I'm repeating myself enough. We need to reinforce this shit because otherwise it gets lost down the memory hole. And Donald we all Trump, forget, yeah. Donald Trump is the biggest crook ever elected to the presidency. Yes. He is, he is a mob godfather who has instilled fear in Republicans and conservatives across the country mm -hmm. so that they bow to his whims. And they continue to do that, less so now, but they continue to be the party of Trump. What was it was it Don Jr. or Eric who last week, I think it was Don Jr., who said, it's no longer the Republican Party, it's now my dad's party. Party. Yes, <laughs> exactly right. And please and keep we'll, repeating. Please keep saying that, Eric Trump. Yeah. <laughs> please we'll keep repeating that as to. often yeah. as you you want. Uh, here is uh, a tape. I'm not sure. I don't think this was part of the Jan Six committee hearings, but this was also released after the fact. This is Roger Stone talking about the entire plot. They have done this for the purposes of the election, but what they're assuming is that the election will be normal. The election will not be normal. Oh, these are the California results? Sorry, we're not accepting them. We're challenging them in court. If the electors show up at the, at the Electoral College, armed guards will throw them out. I'm the president. Fuck you. You're not stealing Florida. You're not stealing Ohio. I'm challenging all of it, and the judges we're going to are judges I appointed. Fuck you. You're not stealing the election. That's, what, that's basically what Bush did to Gore. So, you know, if they want to run a bunch of fake ballots, we'll have an investigation. We'll say, these ballots are fake. Yep. Your results are invalidated. Goodbye. That's the way it's going to have to work. Wow. It's, it's going to be really nasty. Wow. Be, be, but you cannot count wow. on, we're not going to get an honest election. <laughs> so let's say that Trump is a little behind right now, which he probably is. That doesn't bother me. But even if he wins an honest election, we're not going to have an honest oh, election. Got it. They're going to steal it. They're stealing this blind in Florida right now. So, wow. you know, it's not the first time it's happened in this country. It happens around the world. Yeah. So he's going to have to he's going to have to fight for the presidency in the courts. Our next election will be decided in the courts. Wow. Because they wow. cheat and we don't cheat. Who's the wow guy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Some Roger Stone sycophant. Maybe Jack Posobiec. I know Jack Posobiec loves, loves, loves Roger Stone. Well, really, I mean, if we get down to it, that's been Trump's plan since 2015. Yeah. He's always used uh, 
accusations of cheating mm -hmm. as an excuse for if he loses and yeah, when yeah. he loses. And uh, I think, as we said before, he was as surprised as anyone that he got elected. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, it, and it was close and only due to the Electoral College that that happened. He lost the popular vote mm -hmm. and then named three Supreme Court justices. Uh, the stakes here are unbelievable. You, you I... I we're not exaggerating when we talk about what kind of world we're going to wake up to in 2023 if the Republicans win this election. Yeah. Uh, this may be the last free and fair election uh, if Repo if Democrats don't don't win and decidedly. Do we have a second here? Can I speak a little bit about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis? Sure, sure. Because, yeah. because he remains a threat. He uh, could very well be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. Uh, if if Trump crashes and burns, as we hope and expect, uh, then it's going to be Ron DeSantis. And here's what you need to know about uh, DeSantis. Uh, late September, uh, Charlie Crist, who had been governor before, uh, had been a congressman for Florida in Washington, uh, running again for governor against Ron DeSantis. Uh, Charlie Crist, at the end of September, was going to have uh, Joe Biden down here, as risky as some political advisors think that was. And uh, they were going to have uh, big rallies, and, and uh, they were going to really push his campaign over the top. And Crist had a lead at that point. I don't know. Newsom gave him, like, Gavin Newsom gave him, like, $10 million or something. I gave hundreds. Um, and uh, th then what happened was Hurricane Ian. Yeah. And uh, with Hurricane Ian... Uh, to most Floridians, uh, Governor DeSantis emerged as a leader. Uh, and then Joe Biden showed up to reinforce the fact <laughs> that that DeSantis is a leader. Uh, I, his heart was in the right place, but a politically a tragic move to make. And obviously there was no appearance then with Charlie Crist. Since Hurricane Ian, uh, the stock in DeSantis has risen. Uh, he now has a pretty clear lead over Charlie Crist. Every time, there's a thing with TiVo. I've got a TiVo and many services I'm hooked up to because I try to be hooked up to everything. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a TiVo connected to an antenna. And, but here's what TiVo does. They, uh, they have their own commercial that they put in at the beginning. So when you go to play back a recording, you see the TiVo commercial, and you can hit skip, you know, and it'll jump to your actual recording. But it, it, it always begins with the TiVo commercial, and time after time after time, when I turn that on and, and play a recording, uh, the first thing I see is TiVo's commercial for Ron DeSantis. And every single time, over and over again, uh, despite the money given to uh, uh, Chris by uh, Gavin Newsom and by others, and by my, including myself, uh, I'm not seeing any Charlie Crist ads. I'm only seeing DeSantis ads. DeSantis has taken a clear lead here, and that should scare everyone in America because he could be the next president, especially depending on how this election goes in three weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be terrified of this. And know also that uh, four counties were hardest hit by Hurricane Ian, and uh, three of them have been given special voting rules by Governor DeSantis, uh, making it easier for them to vote. All three of those four counties are Republican. No special consideration is being given to the fourth county that is primarily Democrat. Hmm. Uh, black voting district has been eliminated. Everything that and it's the it's the Trump playbook. Everything DeSantis has done has been to suppress 
the Democratic vote. So no matter how hard we try, we're kind of doomed here in Florida. No matter how much money is donated, we're kind of doomed. I, I, I'm hoping for a miracle to pull this out, but I just want uh, to issue a warning to the entire country that what happens here in Florida affects you yeah. because he could very well be the next presidential candidate, especially if he has momentum from a Republican Congress. He could be. I'm wondering if he will be, though. I have this ongoing theory, and I talked about it on Thursday. I'm not going to belabor it again, but I think when he reaches the national national stage when he's in that lineup of whatever it ends up being two dozen candidates on the primary uh, debate stage that I think the DeSantis thing is going to fall apart well he's good yeah he's shaped like a meatball he has a voice that sounds like a 13 year old I mean, if people are looking for some sort of charismatic replacement for Donald Trump, they're yeah. not going to, they're not going to, well, they're not certainly not going to find any presidential uh, sort of stature about him. But there's no charisma there either. I, I don't disagree with you there, but also remember that he represents the Trump mindset. And yeah. also remember, Republicans have said they're through with the business of debating. We've had several Republican candidates not even show for their debates in this primary election. Uh, I, I expect to see a similar pattern. We may not even see a Republican primary debate. I don't know how that's going to go. All I know is the Republican Party has said no more debates. That's it. We're out, well, especially in a presidential race. The other Republicans running against him are not going to have kid gloves. They're certainly not going to pull their punches when it comes to Ron DeSantis, too. So I think there's going to be a lot of bloom off that rose once I'm, it gets to the national stage. I'm, I'm not... keeping my eye on that guy. All right. Well, that's that's good. And that's we should, we should make sure, obviously, prepare prepare for the worst. <laughs> Always be ready for the worst. I mean, the worst case scenario, as far as I'm concerned, is Donald Trump runs again and then ends up winning again. Uh, yeah. And we, be, we should prepare ourselves emotionally for that and, and act accordingly. But the chances, as far as I'm concerned, are very narrow for either one of those guys. Uh, there was also something else I wanted to add about reluctant Democratic voters who always preface talking about the Democratic Party by saying, well, it's a flawed party. It's a flawed party, but I'm going to mm, I'm gonna hold my nose to vote for them anyway. You know what you say to people like that? What? Name one political party in the history of human civilization that hasn't been flawed. I mean, every political party is a human. Right. It's made up of human beings. It's made up of right. people. It's going to be flawed. It's not going to be exactly what you want them to be because they're representing, uh, you know, or they're trying to represent 330 million people. So it's not always going to be uh, a round peg and a round hole. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit of an awkward push, but, but you have to know that flawed should not even be part of the equation here. The Democratic Party irrespective of the issues. Put the issues aside entirely. Democratic Party, the adults in the room, the last serious political party, they are uh, normal in just about every way. And you might find fringe people, but they're not in leadership. The fringe weirdos on the left are not in leadership in any way, shape, or form. But on the Republican side, all the weirdos are in leadership. Their thought leaders on the media side all there weirdos freaks and misogynists and jew haters and transphobics and all the rest of them the same goes with republican leadership on the hill the same goes with republican leadership in various state capitals 
throwing that line out that, the, oh, the Democrats are flawed. They make mistakes sometimes. Yeah. Well, no fucking shit. Water but, is wet. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's part of right. the game. It's part of the thing. It's You're never going to find a perfect candidate. You're never going to find a perfect TV show. You're never going to find a perfect movie. You're never going to find a perfect restaurant meal. There's always going to be something that you can pick apart. And that's just the thing. I agree with all of that, but there is also uh, another category, an adjacent category. Flawed is such a gentle word. It's if I'm watching a movie or a TV show and there's a character who is some good and some bad and he's kind of bad, but you're kind of rooting for him or her. Uh, you, you say if you have any affinity for that character, uh, despite the bad things they do, you say, oh, he's, he's flawed. Mm. And so, in fact, this is what I like about him. He's, he's, he's flawed. Uh, that's such a gentle word compared to those who say both sides. I got ah. into it this week briefly with somebody who uh, said, you know, uh, my, um, I'm, this is, I'm not voting in this election for the first time in my life. Oh, Jesus. And my wife uh, will never vote again. <laughs> and fuck him. Yeah. And and he said it's because both sides. And that's the adjacent category oh. to. There are those who say Democrats are flawed. Well, and and by the way, to that I would say Democrats are flawed. Republicans are corrupt. And and there's a big difference between being flawed, which is kind of lovable, and corrupt, which is detestable. Exactly. But but, but worse than somebody saying uh, Democrats are flawed is somebody saying both sides are the same. Damn it, they are not. No, they are not God. the same. They are not even close. So I I started to get into it with him and said, no, only the Republicans do this, this, and this. And he came back with, yeah, but the Democrats did this, this, and this. And that's when I decided I'm not going to get into this pissing match. Yeah, uh, there's no winning this person. Uh, they are muted. They are blocked. I am done. Good. That's the way you should always react because you know, here's the equivalent of saying, oh, you know, both sides are the same. You know what the equivalent is? Making fart noises with your armpit. You might as well just do that if your only decision, your only right. metric for voting or not voting is oh, both sides are the same. Democrats have, are flawed and stupid. And, uh, you you a, know what? Just shut the fuck up. You have nothing they, to add. If you're not voting, you have abandoned your duty. You have mm-hmm. abandoned your job as a citizen to yeah. participate. Yeah. You are lazy and disgusting, and you mm-hmm. should be ostracized for taking that position. You should be in the shadows because, and and I I said this, uh, words to the effect, I, I never want. I said when when a theocratic government takes over, uh, I I not a word from you. Mm-hmm. And they came back with something else, and I said not a word. And then I blocked and uh, muted and blocked them. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it eked into the brains of certain American voters that voting is somehow and exclusively a direct reflection of their inner morality and their inner Mm -hmm. conscience. That is horseshit. Voting is about the greater good. Voting is much like paying taxes or enlisting in the military. It's your job. Yeah, it's something you do for your neighbors and your country. You decide on policy things that affect not just you personally, but your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community, your state, your nation. This is how elections need to be thought of rather than this ridiculousness like, oh, well, I, I, you know what, uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, she said some shady things and she's kind of a bitch. I can't morally justify a vote for her. So, you know what, I'm going to write in Mickey Mouse for president in 2016. Uh, nonsense. 
absolute fucking not you don't understand elections if that's your attitude you know and we see this sort of cult of personality or anti-cult of personality that emerges where uh hillary clinton gets vilified by the right and some of the left she couldn't have been more brilliant uh, obama said there's nobody more qualified for this job right now than this person right here mm-hmm. hillary clinton unfortunately she has some aspects about her that some people just don't like or make people uncomfortable yeah so because of that because they just didn't like hillary they they didn't vote for her, even though she was the most qualified for the job yeah f you we don't care what you like or what you don't like as bob said it's for the greater good make a, a logical decision about what's good for the country and we're seeing the same thing again to a much smaller degree mm-hmm. partly because he's a man yeah with joe biden uh, he's being vilified. He's he's either mentally disturbed or he's evil or both. They haven't decided, uh, so they they fling both arrows, uh, sling both arrows, and and again, it's this. Well, we don't like him. He just mm-hmm. we just don't like him. Yeah. Again, f you. It's not his job to be liked by you. It's his job to do a good job as the executive of the United States. And likewise, it's not the president's job to be exciting to make your socks go up and down. Mm-hmm. To float your boat, to be, you know, all the rest of the the presidency should be boring. We should not be dealing with the president in our lives 24 7 like we did for the previous four years. That's not how things should work in this country. There was a recent poll that said independent voters think Joe Biden's boring. Fuck you. That's exactly what he should be. I I wrote this thread and we're way late for a break, but I just, I want to read three posts from this thread that I put up the other day on Twitter, uh, just as an end cap for this Uh conversation. I started out by talking about the nonsensical flawed thing. And then I continued by saying, if you're seeking perfection in politics, your expectations are out of whack. Voting is about choosing a candidate nearest to the qualifications, experience, ideas required, and from one of two electable parties. The choice is almost always approximate, seldom a bullseye. You're seldom going to find someone who exactly represents who you are and what your values are. Some of us believe voting is an exclusively sacrosanct reflection of our personal morality without any consideration for the real-world implications. Think of voting as a patriotic contribution like paying taxes or enlisting in the military it's more outward than inward it used to be that indirectly helping the republicans by staying home or voting third party yes move the policy needle obviously it would if more republicans are getting elected but nowhere near as catastrophically as right now refusing to vote democrat in this era is a vote against democracy. It's a vote against normalcy. And in dozens of races, up and down a single ballot. It's not just what's at the top of the ballot, it's all the way up and down. And if you're filling that ballot up with contrarian votes because you're being a pretentious, smug asshole, fuck you, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So that's people, uh, that's my little the, thread. The, yeah. the craziest, most insane people on the ballot <laughs> are the people at the bottom of the ballot. And yeah. these are your local school board. This is in your town, in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And they are the most insane people on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, if they're was ever a year that there was tremendous importance, uh, crucial importance on down-ballot races, it would be this year. And on the subject, one more note as we go out on the subject of personality, uh, you know, there's Biden and then there's Trump. 
Uh, here's my theory. Trump gave erections to men who hadn't had them for years. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's the kind of excitement mm-hmm. voters want instead of hiring the best person. Competence. The job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, one more thing. I added, a, there was another tweet <laughs> that was further down in the thread. I just want to read this part, too. Okay. said, it should never be about spiritual validation, voting. Voting today is about stacking government with qualified and normal leaders. Yes. Not brand loyalty or selfish moral simpatico. Yes. Dems can win and are generally normal and qualified. The other guys are ungainly drooling maniacs. That's true. So, <laughs> on that I note... How, <laughs> I don't know how we sell that idea, but it's absolutely true. I know it, but uh, but first things first, we have to notify the affiliates we're way late for a break. Uh, back with more show right after these words. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect defend and save what you believe in every single day so what makes a life a good one in the coast guard we think it's all of the above and more but you'll have to find out for yourself visit gocoastguard.com to learn more okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Sound I hear's my beating heart Thumping and bumping right from the start The wind whispers I can barely hear Strangers passing by, dangers all around People walking with a glassy-eyed stare Not sure what to think of All right, this is uh, Barker and Roof. Song called Ghost Town. Playing some Halloween Halloween songs is kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. Link in the description to support Barker and Roof, as well as the Paul Madden Band. And of course, we're playing all these songs in uh, full length, the entire songs. Uh, at the end of the show, at the end of the free show. So there you go. BobSuska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. Thank you for doing that in advance. All right. But uh, before we proceed, it's always it's always something with me, isn't it? Yeah. I, I want to apologize to you uh, and thank you uh, at the same time oh. and uh, about my birthday recently. Oh. <laughs> uh, you're so kind and generous and thoughtful and precise and you're in the gift giving and and... I wanted to thank you. You gave me this big mug. It's a, I would call it a, classified as a soup mug. It's that big. Mm-hmm. And all the way around it, in giant block letters, it says, Fuck Liddy. And, <laughs> and, and the I in Liddy is the pencil he would kill us with. And that's just the greatest thing ever. Uh, so I, I, and one of the reasons that I hadn't acknowledged this and thanked you for it yet 
is because you said there were two things coming, and I thought you ought to know that uh, there was just the one. Oh. And so if you've got something out there somewhere, you may want to track it or something. Oh, yeah. Know. Well, technically the two things were the card and the silly oh. Liddy mug. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Well, then that's fine. But it, but it was so <laughs> – like, uh, I just wanted to make sure you weren't getting ripped off. Uh, because no, I, no. I could not be happier with oh, my fuck Liddy mug, and I will <laughs> – I will cherish it always. Well, you know where that comes from. Back in 1993, sure. when I yeah. was your intern at WJFK, you came into work one day and you said, Bob, I had this crazy dream last night. I had this dream that someone gave me a fuck Liddy bumper sticker. <laughs> and so I ran home that night and made you a fuck Liddy <laughs> bumper sticker. It just, you know, it was before computers and printers and things like right. that, or certainly before Cafe Press and all those places. So I just used, like, contact paper and those stick-on letters that you get at the hardware store and just made a silly bumper sticker thing. And I thought because this past year has been kind of a Liddy year uh, yes, with Gaslit and everything, <laughs> and mm -hmm. so I decided to revive that meme and uh, make a mug for well, you. Well, thank you. So, I, yeah. And by the way, I still have that bumper sticker, and uh, one day I'll send it back to you, but I'm still enjoying the bumper sticker <laughs> okay, you made for me. It's sure. Beautiful in red and black. All right, so let's see here. I want to talk about this Joe Rogan thing before we wrap up the free show. Um, yeah, Joe Rogan had Tulsi Gabbard on his show the other day. Oh, goody. Yes, because obviously <laughs> the reason she's doing and saying all of this shit is because she's launching a podcast. This is 1,000% a career move. Has nothing to do with politics or ideology or anything like that as motivations. This is entirely about, oh, there's so much more money in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex than there is on the left. Oh, my God, let's go over there and, and you know, latch my mouth to those teats. That's what she's doing. She's so, getting on so, board the gravy train. It's, it's so way, many people have done that. Since we're a left-leaning podcast, uh, and hard-leaning, I'll, I'll grant you, but since we're a leftist uh, podcast, uh, we can attest that all the money goes to the right-wing podcasts. We, <laughs> that's, that's how that yes. works. No, it's it's very it's very visible, and, and it astounds me mm -hmm. uh, how many people uh, the red hat right-wing podcast world reaches. Yeah. The yeah. size of their audience is astounding. Well, it just came out again, the same story that we've heard in the past, which is that they're bulk buying books, so they get right. on the bestseller lists. Right. And so I think Donald Trump's group, I think Save America PAC, or one of Donald Trump's uh, political action committees, spent, I don't know, $130,000 on Eric Trump's book to, or someone's book, some Trump book, to get it up onto the charts. And that's something they've been doing for 50, 60 years now. And I always question whether or not they're also buying downloads for their podcasts. And that includes oh, yeah, I, I think Shapiro so. I think and Bongino and Candace Owens and all the rest of them. I, I think there's I think there are numbers to back that up as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Still, uh, they obviously have a, a substantial reach. Exactly. So there were still, you know what, because I, I knew Joe Rogan back in the late 90s, right. Right. and uh, we were kind of friends, and he was a client of mine when I was starting up my animation studio. And so I still had a sliver of respect for him. That's gone now. And yeah. it's gone because of this flagrant lie that I'm about to play for you. Mm -hmm. It is a flagrant lie on a couple of different levels. One, what he's going to describe is a hoax. Two, he sets it up as if he knows someone 
uh-huh. who is engaged in this thing that happens to be a hoax. So here's right. Joe Rogan talking about the litter box hoax. And notice how Tulsi Gabbard is laughing along with this. And mm-hmm. also, remember that this isn't necessarily about furries. This is a direct attack on trans people. There's kids. Ready for this? My friend, his wife, is a school teacher. And she works at a school that had to install a litter box in the girls' room because there is a girl who's a furry who identifies as an animal. And her mother badgered the school until they agreed to put a litter box in one of the stalls. So this girl goes into the litter room or to the, the girls' room and urinates or whatever i don't know if she poops in it that's pretty gross <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if you could teach your cat by the way here's the thing if you could teach your cat to use the toilet you would mm-hmm. okay yeah like you don't want a box of piss <laughs> yeah, in your house right. it's the worst i've had cats my whole life okay. it's the worst thing about having cats you got to clean that box of piss every day yeah like it's the greatest thing about dogs they go outside like you you're a fucking the human cat's got- okay that's enough of that where do we start here first of well, all complete lie it's a complete lie there is no uh, teacher who had to buy a litter box for a student who identifies as a furry this is a big fucking lie you know how i know it's a lie it was debunked by all the major platforms politifact snopes usa today some fox affiliates have Mm -hmm. debunked all of this but i'm going to go directly to the politifact debunking of this first of all the claim is pants on fire. Schools are putting litter boxes in bathrooms to accommodate kids who identify as furries. Pants on fire. Here's the first paragraph. Schools are not putting litter boxes in bathrooms to accommodate children as months of unfounded rumors have claimed. And though school districts have issued statements debunking the story multiple times, some social media posts are still spreading the erroneous information. Quote, so now in schools, if a kid wants to identify as a furry, the school goes along with it, read an April 4 Facebook post, not making them participate or speak and have policies ensuring no one mocks them. A furry, they're identifying as animals, even putting litter boxes in bathrooms in some schools. Have y'all heard about this? Mm-hmm. The post was later edited to add, I have no litter box proof, only rumor. <laughs> right. But w- right. What's, what's so fucking insane about this is the fact that Joe Rogan personalizes it and says mm-hmm. that my friend's wife right. is a teacher uh-huh. and she had to put a litter box because there's a student who identifies as a furry and she's not allowed to offend that student by saying no. That is a, such a, a colossal lie. He took a hoax, personalized it. So he took mm-hmm. a lie and added another lie on top of it. Fuck yeah. off, Joe. Jesus, That's- God. And when we talked about this on Friday's After Party, Kimberly took a look at some of the debunkings and noticed mm-hmm. that in some schools, they have mm-hmm. purchased a quantity of cat litter. Mm-hmm. Not for kids who identify as furries. That's insane. Right. They bought a certain amount of cat litter in the event of a mass shooting and a lockdown where they may, the children might not have access to bathrooms and be locked in a classroom for extended periods of time and that's, people have to piss and shit. That's the gut-wrenching truth about cat litter in schools. Yeah. And, and, and one that you may not have heard until now. Right. It is true. Some schools acquired litter, uh, cat litter in case kids had to poop or pee 
during a, a, lo- a long-lasting lockdown because of a school shooting. It's the gun-toting school violence right. that caused the purchase of cat litter uh, that has likely led to these lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just... On one hand, you're amused, and on the other hand, terrified and depressed by the incredulity of of these lies. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not even really believable, and yet a, a, a ridiculous number of people subscribe to them, believe yeah. in them, embrace them, and spread them. And, uh, you know, I just don't know. You know I, I don't know how we correct that. I don't know how we correct the fact that right now both parties – uh, have lost faith in our institutions. Uh, I think people on the left and right have lost faith in the FBI at, at various times for various reasons, uh, certainly January 6th being one of them for our side. Uh, but but we also are so entrenched, and not only you mentioned the Republican bubble earlier, we're in our own bubble, and both bubbles believe that the other party is a threat to democracy. It's pre- it's about equal. Yeah. Uh, about the same number, the same percentage of Republicans believe Democrats are a threat to democracy as the percentage of Democrats who believe Republicans are a threat to democracy. Yep. How we fix this, how we undo this after Donald Trump, I have no idea. I accept that it starts with a, a true victory, true control of the Senate and continued control of the House and the presidency uh, in this election uh, three weeks from now. And by the way, uh, watch Tulsi Gabbard and what she says, because not only was she teeheeing along with Joe Rogan's ridiculousness about the litter boxes in schools because of furry children, but she tweeted this earlier today. She said, truth is not subjective. I could no longer stay in a party that thinks the truth is whatever they say it is, that denies objective reality, such as the difference between men and women. I'm zeroing in on that part right there, such as the difference between men and women. This is where Tulsi comes out as anti-trans. This is where Tulsi comes out being a complete dumb shit when it comes to how we define gender now in 2022. I don't know if she's as dumb as as her conclusions would paint her to be. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Tulsi Gabbard is an agent of Vladimir Putin. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, uh, Tulsi Gabbard is an agent of Russia, mm-hmm. and she's towing the Putin line, the Russian line. Whether she's talking about trans or, or, or any of her other insane politics uh, that uh, yeah. are, are not certainly not traditional Republican and absolutely not Democrat. She was never a Democrat. Yes, and she's saying this shit for... She's saying this toxic shit, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, to get a paycheck. That's what this is all right, about. Right. This now, is a bi- yeah. It's a part of her business model now, right, to be right. transphobic. And that's what this is all about. That's what the litter box thing is all about. It's all about transphobia. Beat the shit out of this already ostracized and bullied into suicide group of people in this country. That all they want to do is live their best lives. All they want to do is to be able to exist in society. And professional bullies like Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle and all the other fuckwads are continuously doing exactly what's happening in schools and in workplaces where trans people are getting the the shit kicked out of them. It's insane. I would point people to uh, this latest edition of uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO Max. Uh, Uh, John Oliver uh, did a long and glorious segment about about trans and the treatment and the kids and all of that. And I, I don't think anybody's done a better job of, of really completely 
covering that story. Uh, and I see others in the media, including uh, John Stewart and at least one NBC journalist. I'm not sure which. I can't. I don't recall. Uh, but uh, there are a few people out there who are are fighting the fight and presenting the truth. And uh, I think we owe it to ourselves and to our country to amplify their messages. Exactly and, right. And, yeah. And yeah. learn from them. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I wanted to add this, too, as we wrap up here. If you think the billion dollars in damages that Alex Jones is going to have to pay, if mm-hmm. you think that's the end of it, no, 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 no. Guess what? Guess what's happening? In December, there's a third damages trial Don, uh, that Alex Jones is going to have to go through. And I always mix up. <laughs> I was going to say Donald Trump, but I mean Alex Jones. Yeah, well. Alex, jo- <laughs> Alex Jones is going to face more damages in December, but... Regarding the Connecticut case that uh, we heard about last week, uh-huh. Jones now faces additional punitive damages in the Connecticut yes. case under a state law against using false statements to sell products, a statute that Superior Court Judge Barbara Bellis earlier found he violated. Bellis is set to schedule for the reckoning of that sum, including a hearing on November 7th. So and, and Jones, yeah, and Jones says he's not going to pay a penny of this. He's sworn not to pay a penny of this. But what he isn't acknowledging is the government can now, because of these uh, rulings, uh, the courts can now seize his property. That's they right. They can take his house, his studio, his microphone. They can start collecting his stuff. Yes, and they can imprison him if he continues to obstruct Right. The collection, if he continues to hide his assets and all the rest of it, well, he can be imprisoned for that. But the fact make a that, nice Christmas for the rest of it. Yes, indeed. The fact of the matter is, though, that the Connecticut ruling, the $965 million uh, decision last week, not over yet. The day before the election, there could be, they could end up doubling that number. That's cool. The, uh, the Superior Court judge could end up uh, handing down another billion dollars against I, Alex Jones I, with punitive damages. I would write a joke about this, but that's already the punchline. <laughs> so I wanted to end with some really good news that it we can is. look forward to. Absolutely. So uh, let's see. Coming up on the Shadow Docket on our Patreon page. Where did the time go? I know. Notify the, oh my God, we're so late. Uh <laughs> We're going to talk about sloppy Steve Bannon, uh, some uh, sentencing recommendations coming from the Department of Justice. Yeah. Uh, plus, what the fuck is wrong with Gen X voters? We'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit here. Plus, Alaska snow crabs appear to be fucked. We're going to talk about exactly why coming mm-hmm. up in a second. Maybe some uh, polegasm numbers here as we continue on with our uh, Tuesday festivities and a whole lot more. Okay. BobSuskaShow.com, $5 a month for the Shadow Docket. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye.
Ghost Town. No one's around a ghost town. 